Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is February 26th, and last night, Atlanta United did something that it has never done before in its previous six seasons. It was the first time in franchise history that Atlanta United won a game in which it was trailing in the 75th minute. I had to double-check with Johannes when he told me that stat last night because I could swear that they've done this before, but he said it's one he's been tracking for five years. Now, how do they win? Two bits of brilliance from Diego Almada and some great team efforts on defense that we're going to get into in just a little bit when we listen to clips from Gonzalo Pineda, Diego Almada, Brad Guzan, Andrew Gutman, San Jose manager Luchi Gonzalez, and we're going to follow that, as always, with a mailbag, including an audio question that was sent into our voicemail, and I'll give you all that number when we get to that. And we're going to end with a fantastic Law & Order question, because I watch a lot of Law & Order. All right. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So the format for interviews is slightly different this season, post-game, if y'all want me to pull back the curtain a little bit. Because of the Apple deal, they would like the opposing team's manager, so that would be the visiting team, to come in to the interview room and talk to us. And then we'll go to the locker room and talk to the players. And then we come back and talk with Gonzalo Pineda. I was a little bit skeptical that this was going to work because I assumed, for example, well, this didn't happen in this game, but after a loss or a poor performance, the players might just skedaddle before we get a chance to get in there. It's really not a whole lot different than it has been in previous seasons. But anyway, just to let you all know a little bit about how Apple is impacting us. And I hope you watched the uh, whip around show last night. I watched it when I got home and it's, it's really cool. Apple's done a really good job with that. The personalities on the studio sets are great and uh, it was a lot of fun. But y'all don't want to hear my ramblings. You want to hear from the people involved. So here is Gonzalo Pineda talking about the, the rally. Again, the franchise history-making rally and just the character of the team. Emotional game, obviously ups and downs, good moments. Some other not great, especially in transition, but special about the end of the game, which was the, 
the the main part probably for the fans. I love that emotion when you know you think you're gonna lose, you're upset, and then the emotions come for them. The first goal from Thiago from outside the box, and then that last foul, and then that amazing golazo from from Thiago. Um, it was very special for us, and and I hope the fans uh, are happy with that. Nada said some interesting things about Thiago Almada. If you didn't watch his goals or you haven't got a chance to see his goals, please do so. The first one was probably about 22 yards. It was, you don't want to call it a short corner, but it was a long corner. It was Brooks Lennon passed it to Diego, who no one had marked. He took a touch, and then the ball, it looked like it kind of got stuck under his feet a little bit, but he just rifled his right foot through it, went through a crowd of San Jose players, off the crossbar, and into the goal. It was a, a really, really nice goal. He lifted up his shirt. And on a white T-shirt and black ink, he'd, he'd written uh, Fuerte Apache, which is his neighborhood in Buenos Aires. It's a very, very tough neighborhood. It's the one that Carlos Tevez came from. If, if you know Carlos Tevez, he's one of the greatest goal scorers in soccer history. So that was a pretty cool moment. And then a few minutes later, he got to do it again on a free kick. He and Luis Araujo were standing over the free kick. They said they were trying to figure out which where the goalkeeper was placed. The goalkeeper was a little bit to their left. So Almada took it with his right foot, put it over the four-man wall into the upper right corner. It looked like San Jose goalkeeper uh, Daniel got a hand on it, but he could not stop it. Boom. That was the last kick of the game or second to last kick of the game. There you go. But here's Pineda talking about Almada's humility after winning the game for the five stripes. Well, what can I tell you? I mean, obviously today uh, I'm sure he was the man of the match. I'm pretty sure um, but it's not just about the goals that he scored. It's about the whole game. He was very proactive on getting the balls on touches. I think he was the one that lead us in touches in the final third, touches in general. Um, um, and, and he's always looking to attack and to find ways to create a dangerous moment for us. Uh, also defensively, he was doing a lot of the pressing and at times he was a little bit lost because they have a little bit of numerical advantage, but he was trying continuously uh, to press very aggressively. So I, I cannot say, you know, <laughs> anything more than that. He's a fantastic kid with a great mentality. Uh, and what I love is his uh, humility. When we start to talk in the locker room, the first thing I say about Thiago and his goals, and he said, is, is about the whole team. It's about the whole effort of everyone. And I think that speaks for itself. He's an unselfish player that, yes, today he was a hero, but he's willing not to be the hero as long as, as, as we win. And, and that's pretty nice from a 21-year-old. Now, one of the oddities about last night's game compared to the preseason is the number of shots that Atlanta United took from outside the penalty box. This was a point of emphasis in the preseason for Pineda and the players because it's something they did a lot of last year, settled for long-range shots, the pity areas of the field is what I called it, and Pineda didn't want those anymore, or not as many of them anymore because they're low percentage, you lose possession, you give the other team the ball. So I figured we're not going to see a lot of those this year. Well... Of the 20 shots that Atlanta United took last night, 16 were from outside the box. Even Pineda looked bemused when I pointed out the stat to him. He was like, you could probably put the number of shots we took from outside the box together from the preseason, and it wouldn't total 16. But here's him talking about kind of that bizarre aspect of the game last night. 
it's tough to answer this because uh, we don't plan like that, obviously, right? We, we, we are messaging continuously that we want more shots from inside, getting the premises zones, getting crosses uh, across the, the, the box in between the goalkeeper, the, the center backs, uh, cutbacks in penalty spot. Uh, today, didn't manifest it like that. That's what I would say. It was not characteristics from us this year. Like in the preseason, we didn't have that amount at all. Probably co um, collecting all the data from all the preseason games, we didn't get as much as today from outside of the box. So I hope we can improve on that for sure. But then on the other side, we won with two yeah. shots from outside of the box. So it's one of those that is hard to tell the players don't shoot, don't shoot from outside of the box when they do that. So, uh, but yes, we want more quality chances that have more probabilities to, to be on, on goal. Um, but we will be working on that for sure. Last night was the first act, meaningful action in nine months for goalkeeper Brad Guzan, also served as the team captain, and center back Miles Robinson after both suffered ruptured Achilles tendons last season. And their absences were among the many reasons the team didn't make the playoffs for the second time in three seasons. But here's Pineda talking about the return of the two very important players for those who are new to following the team. Robinson is a few times been named a finalist for MLS Defender of the Year and should have won it at least two years, in my opinion. Guzan is a multi-capped goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team and a very, very influential force in the training pitch and in the locker room for the team. And uh, it's a long time since they they don't play uh, an MLS game, and I'm sure the whole journey of those two is it, it's very special for them to be back. Uh, kudos to the you know the trainers and all the people in the medical staff. They they did an amazing young uh, job with them, being day after day suffering the ups and downs of those type of injuries, and and they did great. So kudos to to my medical staff. Um, so happy, very happy for them to be back. I mean, talking about team efforts and Thiago being the hero, yes, but the saves that uh, that uh, Brad did in the first half were amazing and a couple in the second half. And then obviously Miles, you know, being dealing with the pace of Cowell and Ebobise and dealing in big spaces with all of that was impressive. So very happy, not just have them back, but have them at that standard was pretty good to see. As I referenced earlier, we're now getting to talk to the opposing team's manager, which wasn't something that we typically did or had time to do post-game in previous seasons. But I did ask uh, Lucha Gonzalez if before the 93rd minute, if he felt like his team was in control of the outcome. I felt we had the game in control. I, I was very confident we were going to win the game. We, we put a good mid-to-low block. 4-5-1, 4-1-4-1, however you want to call it, and, and it was hard to break through. And even though those shots were made, they were blocked or they were from a distance that that, that we think uh, we can handle. Mm -hmm. um, they were they they were good at making combinations central. That's why we tried to load the middle defensively with compactness. Um, but they did spray the ball wide a few times with some interesting crosses, and the corner came from that from across. So, look, I'm proud of our group to 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 grind through to to suffer and to do a lot of what it takes to get a result. And we were unfortunate that it just didn't bounce our way and credit to Atlanta to have quality in their set pieces. And, uh, but again, you know, this game could have been 2-0 for us. The quality chances we had were, were pretty good, maybe higher than theirs. Mm -hmm. And we didn't make it 2-0. And that's a lesson to be learned again. 
one of the things we learned after the game from Andrew Gutman was that Guzan gave the team a little bit of an accountability pep talk to kind of get them fired up. The first half, they missed a penalty, badly missed a penalty. Gave up, I won't call it a soft goal, but still gave up a goal that they probably in another situation would have stopped. And Brad shared a little bit of what he told the guys at halftime. We need to hold ourselves to a certain standard. We need to make sure that, um, you know, we don't come in here feeling sorry for ourselves. Um, in any sport, regardless of, of what sport it is, the opposition is coming in here to try and do something that they think is going to give them the opportunity to win. We're trying to do something else that we think is going to give our, ourselves the, the best chance to win. The other team is entitled to have the ball. The other team is obviously going to score goals at times. It's how we react in situations. It's how we um, we help each other. It's how we fight for each other. Uh, all these things. And so we go and, and in these difficult moments, you come in at halftime, we've missed a penalty, we're down 1-0, uh, we're at home, first game of the season. It's easy to, to come in and sulk and, and feel sorry for ourselves. We, we can't do that. And here are his thoughts on both him being back out there and on Miles Robinson being back out there. It felt great to be back out there. It felt great to be with the guys. It felt great to play my part and, and do my job and, and help and help us you know, get three points. Um, everyone was phenomenal tonight in terms of the work rate um, and just getting after it and not, and not throwing the towel in. We, we had a little moment after the game, uh, you know, just saying to each other that you know we're back. Um, it's been a long road, and so to, to see him back out there, uh, you know, puts a smile on my face because I, I know what he he's been through. Um, I, I know what the road was like, and so to um, to have him back out there is massive for our group, for our team, um, and to see him doing the things that he does best, uh, it's uh, it's exciting. Here's more from Gutman on what this historic rally says about the character of the team this season. It says a lot. I think it, it, it says, uh, you know, that we have a dim- different mentality this year. Um, you know, it was, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to go down early and kind of trail the entire game, it, you know, is one thing, but to, to never give up and, and continue to push all the way till the 97th minute, is a, it's amazing for us. And, you know, we're going to take that confidence and, you know, keep using it for the rest of the season. To frame how rare Atlanta United's comeback was last night, in franchise history, the team was 0 50 and 12 when trailing at the 75th minute. Oh, 50 and 12. That's nutso. That is a crazy, crazy stat considering the amount of firepower this team has had over the years. But there you go. Numbers don't lie. And Andrew Gutman had a funny response when he was asked about Almada's free kick to win the match. I don't know. I kind of blacked out. I mean, to be honest with you, was, I didn't believe it went in. Um, and then I, I kind of just ran around. I looked behind me and Tiago has his shirt off. Everyone's going crazy. You know, with 70,000 people scream like that, it, it's, it's a cool feeling. Um, so it was a great, great win for us. And here's Gutman talking about the impact of Robinson and Guzan. You know, I said earlier how important they were, but here's how they, important they were to Gutman. It was amazing. You know, uh, sometimes that. You know, at halftime, you just kind of need a kick in the ass, and you know, Brad, Brad's that guy to give it to you in in a positive way. You know, it's not not trying to knock you or anything, but you know, bring that little energy, that little bite, and then you know, Miles with uh, the left winger, whoever's uh, Kate Cowell, rapid guy, Miles made him look slow. You know, so to have Miles back there is amazing for us. A couple of new faces made their debuts for Atlanta. They came in in the second half. There's actually three. I omitted one in my question to Andrew, but I'll uh, include him now. That was Derek Etienne. Miguel Berry and Louise Abram, 
all came on. Wanted to hear from Gutman on how he thought Etienne and Barry specifically, because they were uh, in the attack on the left wing and at striker, how they affected the offense. You know, I, I played with Derek before, uh, so I know his quality. I think uh, it was, you know, it was good for him to kind of get some minutes. He, he was struggling with the with the little knock this this preseason, um, but you know, I think the fans are gonna gonna see some quality out of him. And then you know, Miguel coming in, he was only trained with us for a week, so doesn't really know the system, doesn't really know doesn't really know much. But you know, you just have to run sometimes. And, and he ran, he fought, he he won balls for us, so thought he did well for us. And I would be remiss if we didn't hear from the hero of the game, Diego Almada. Here's a very short clip on him talking about what was going through his mind on the free kick. We were just shouting with euphoria because it was in the last minute, so just really happy. And I wanted to know if playing for Argentina in the World Cup gave him the boost of confidence that uh, contributed to him deciding to go for it on those two goals. No, that doesn't change anything. Um, one always knows what they have to do on the field, uh, our roles, and um, just what the coaching staff wants, and, and they give me confidence. Almada's answers are being translated by Justin, who has been with the team for now going into his seventh season. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get six months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, etc. All my knowledge of law and order, cheers and the Simpsons. You can get all of our stories on AJC.com, access to our e-paper, and our assortment of newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from Mark Bradley. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts so that you always know what's really going on. So now we're going to get into the mailbag portion, and y'all always ask fantastic questions. As always, you can email them to me at d-r-o-b-e-r-s-o-n at ajc.com or DM me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Please just don't drop them on Twitter because I get a lot of things in my Twitter feed and I don't want to miss them. That's why I ask if y'all can please try to send them to those two things. We also have the Southern Fried Soccer hotline for no charge. 770-810-5297. 770-810-5297. Stop whatever you're doing. Put down your kids if you're feeding them. You know, pull over in your car. Stop reading your book, stop eating breakfast, and put that phone number into your cell phone right now. It may be the most important thing you do this week. That's 770-810-5297. And we're going to start 
with a voicemail left on the Southern Fried Soccer Hotline. Hi, this is Jordan from Fayetteville, Georgia. I've got one question. Can we please talk about how amazing Brad Guzan played? If it wasn't for those two miraculous saves he had, we don't have a chance in this game. I know Almada's going to get a lot of love for the wonder strikes he had, the galazos he had. Brad Guzan in his return played amazing. Miles Robinson in his first game back as well held down the back line. I was super impressed with those guys, uh, Brad Guzan and Miles Robinson. Can we please give them some love? Uh, you know, I'm going to give them credit where credit's due. Let's give some love to those guys, though. I think you just did, and well said. And it's it's uh, interesting to hear someone actually compliment Brad instead of crapping on him, which most people have done on social media throughout the preseason. He tried to explain, I tried to explain that he hadn't played in months. There was going to be rust that needed to be worked off, and you saw each game him getting a little bit better and a little bit better. Lucha Gonzalez said, as, as you heard, they should have been up 2 to nothing, but Guzan bailed Atlanta United out. He finished with three saves. His distribution was good. His leadership, as you heard, was influential and helped the team kind of mo- not dominate the second half. There was a period where San Jose had Atlanta United been back early in the second half, but then they kind of got out of that and off they went. Good friend of mine, friend of the podcast, Eric Schmidt, asks, how close were you to finishing your game summary article before Atlanta United scored the tying and winning goals on Saturday? It was done, Eric. And then I had to rewrite once, and then I had to rewrite twice. This was something that happened a lot last season, too, at the back of my head. As I'm writing the one version, I'm thinking of, well, if they tie the game, what am I going to do? And getting ready. So, you know, I had just a couple of minutes to rewrite the first time, then a few seconds to rewrite the second time because I have to file as soon as the echoes of that final whistle are done blowing around Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But it's always a nice problem to have, especially when it's an exciting game and there are some pivotal moments and and perhaps some season, not defining moments, but season-affecting moments uh, with the two goals from Almada. Going to Joe. His comment, he says, these are his comments for tomorrow's podcast. I'm going to take a coffee sip first because my brain still has not woken up yet. Mm, that's good coffee. No one asked me for any of Doug's coffee in exchange for a million bucks in targeted allocation money. The offer's still out there. All you have to do is call my producer, Daniel, and he will arrange all of the details. Um, I'm not going to give you Daniel's number, though. So maybe that's why yeah, nobody asked for Doug's coffee. But continuing with Joe, the team's inability to put shots on goal was especially frustrating. For now, let's chalk those up to early season slash nerves with the expectation that it's perhaps the most coachable moment. That's something that college football coaches always say, that you see the most improvement in a team between week one and week two. I don't know if that's coach speak that they all like to say because it makes them sound smart or if it's actually true. Maybe there's a little bit of both. Joe continues, the wingers had a pretty good game, but crosses were repeatedly either short, low, or high long. Wiley gets my vote for most improved player from over the preseason, and the way he's progressing, I think he must be asked to improve service to the middle so that more of his crosses are in the danger zone. I know it's easier said than done, but the rate he's improving, it feels like the sky is the limit for Wiley. Yeah, a couple of my takes on your points. Wiley was fantastic last night. The only reason he got, well, not the only reason, but a reason he got subbed out is because he was cramping at halftime, Pineda said. But there were a couple of moments when I look down, and we, because of our angle in the press box and my old man eyes, sometimes I can't distinguish one player from another. But there was a moment last night that I thought it was Miles Robinson defending somebody, but it was Caleb Wiley who had dropped back from the left wing and just stoning somebody. 
he was getting forward. I think the guys are putting in good crosses. What y'all got to realize is sometimes the winger is anticipating where the striker is going to go and hits the ball to where they think they're going to go. At the same time, the striker is trying to anticipate where the winger is going to go. And so it's like mutual decisions happening at the same time. And sometimes they're just wrong. The winger thinks the striker is going to go to the back post. So he hits it there. And the striker thinks he's going to put it to the near post. So he puts it. So he runs there. And that's why sometimes it just looks off. Now, if you see Yakamakis playing, if you see Barry playing consistently, along with Gutman, with Wiley, with Lennon, I think this will get better. I've tried to explain to y'all the past couple of seasons, those who've complained about Lennon, he has yet to be able to play with a striker who starts consistently. Go back and think about it. Last year, there were four different strikers that they were trying to get used to. Uh, the year before, it was three or four again. Once you get some consistency, you get chemistry. Once you get chemistry, you get confidence. Once you get confidence, you get results. I've said this a bajillion times. But if we get into the 17th game and, and your ghost has started 15 and you're still seeing mostly misplaced crosses, then we can have another conversation. Dylan says, the ending had me blasting out of my seat with excitement, and that was just the first goal. Almada seems to always score from outside the 18 like the grown man he is, but I won't lie, until that first goal happened, I thought nothing had changed and we looked uninspired after the first San Jose player went down and we were empty on the attack. I thought all was lost and we gave up. So do you think your ghost can transform this attacking game by having a true striker at the top for Araujo and Almada to build off of, or do you think it's rooted in Pineda's coaching? Don't know how Pineda's coaching uh, is a root of this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, last night up until the two goals, uh, it felt a lot like 2022. You know, Atlanta United wins the expected goals, wins and shots, but really the, its shots, the quality of its shots weren't very good at all. San Jose, this is off the top of my head, took 10 shots, eight of which came from inside the box, and they got a goal. You already heard Atlanta United shots from inside the box. Of course, it's two goals came from outside the box. But no, you you can't keep relying on moments of brilliance to have success in a salary cap league. This goes back way before Pineda. This was a problem kind of in 2019, definitely in 2020, 2021, 2022. Unless there were moments of, of individual brilliance, the team simply rarely scored there weren't any kind of cool combination goals like San Jose's first last night with a short cross and a and a header in but this was the first game there are still 33 remaining in the league season U.S. Open Cup League's Cup possibly playoffs there's a lot of time I think patience is is an okay virtue for right now and if we you know we get into the 10th game and the same things are happening then we can have some more serious and critical conversations. Lama says, sloppy, but a win is a win, and no injuries were for our players. And it looks like it may be a while before we get to have your ghosts. Uh, so what do you think Atlanta needs to do until he comes in? Well, I think he'll be in next week. Uh, the visa's got to be coming in soon. Abrams came in fairly quickly. Your ghosts should be in around the same timeline, so it should come in Monday or Tuesday, I would think. 
Now, is he fit enough to go 90 minutes? No idea. He hasn't played since mid to late January in a game, but he could start and go, I don't I would imagine 50 to 60 minutes. I'm not predicting he's going to start until we see him in training, but I don't, I don't think you have to worry too much about that. And I think last night's game did kind of cry out for a guy like Yorgos, a combining, well, what we anticipate to be a combining guy, a guy who can attack in the air. Jackson Conway got the start last night. He put the only shot on goal in the first half. I don't know if some of y'all realize that who were crapping on him on Twitter and he's only as good as the service he gets. And there were a couple of runs he made into space and his teammates didn't give him the ball. So there's not a whole lot he could do about that. If you want him to keep running and be offside and like play like, you know, uh, imaginary man on second kind of a thing, like dribble down with an invisible ball and shoot and then celebrate a goal that didn't actually score. Okay. But he can only do what he can do. Going on to Matt. What a way to open the season. I almost stopped watching about an hour in. Glad I stuck with it. That was an amazing individual effort by Almada, but I'm interested to hear your take. Well, that's why I get paid. For long stretches, it seemed to me there was a whole lot of nothing. Low percentage shots, sloppy turnovers, lack of quality service into the box, defensive slip-ups, a maddening missed penalty kick, and on and on. Despite all of that, wow, those were two screamers to seal the win. Yeah, I've, I've addressed some of this already. The missed penalty kick was, when he took it, the people uh, to the right of us thought the ball had gone in because I think it hit the the post that holds the net and then bounced behind the goal, so it looked like it was in the net until everyone realized, oh, that missed the whole goal. He did, Arahujo did the run-up, little steps thing, and then strike the ball. It's kind of backward from how you're taught to kick a ball. Usually you're supposed to do the short steps first. That way you can strike with power. Arahujo did it backward. Did players do that to see which way the goalkeeper is is going and they know where to place it. And he just missed the whole goal. The who decides penalty kicks is is decided during the week based upon what the, the coaches are seeing for the players in training and stuff. So, you know, some of you were saying, well, Joseph wouldn't have missed that. Y'all need to go back and look. Joseph missed some penalties or had penalties saved, including the notable one in the uh 2019 playoffs that cost the team a chance to uh, host MLS cup. So we don't need to do any revisionist uh, thinking right now. Ben says, I hope you're doing well. I have been tentatively optimistic about the start of the season. However, tonight was more of the same and the team needed individual moments of brilliance to pull out three points. Other than the excuse of not having the best 11 on the field, what can Pineda do to utilize the strengths of the player pool? Well, I think he's trying. He was missing four potential starters. Last night, and Etienne, Yorgos, Sosa, and Sadich, though I do think as the game grew, Huzetu and Abara got better. I blame Abara partially for San Jose's first goal because he quit running with Ebobise once they got in the box. Lennon had to come over to try to get him, and he couldn't get there in time. You, if you watch Lennon's reaction afterward, he's holding up his hands going, what? If you go back and watch the highlight, you'll see what I'm talking about. But Abara got much better in the game, made a couple of good tackles, his uh, tackle and pass to Gutman led to the penalty that was missed by Arahujo. You know, I've I've been critical of Abara, but last night I thought he played a lot better than I've seen in previous games. And it's just the first game. Again, let's get into the 10th game, and then we'll decide if Pineda's utilizing the strengths of the player pool. 
Andrea says, thanks for all your hard work covering the team. Wild start to the season. Vamanos. Well, thank you. Also, I made a couple of new friends this week who are Atlanta United supporters. Craig, uh, it was very nice to meet you Friday night. Philip, it was nice to meet you at the Vine City Marta Station. There's another guy I met at the Vine City Marta Station who I did not get his name, and that's my bad. But if you want to reach out to me on the Twitters, I'll make sure to follow you. And Daniel. Met Daniel on my walk from my condo to the stadium last night. So I want to say hi and thank you all for reaching out. That's always appreciated. Always nice to make new friends. Christopher says, do these games where we score big goals from outside the box cause more problems later? That's an interesting question. Atlanta seems to have a tendency to try to recreate what worked in one game, even when it's a lucky turn of events, like Moreno dribbling through five guys and crossing to Bello a couple of years ago when everyone forgetting how to pass. You know, I, I've said this many times. I think that go. I think it was against DC United might have been the worst thing to happen to Marcelino Moreno with Atlanta United, because from that point forward, it seemed like he and a lot of the other guys on the team were trying to do that dribble through everybody instead of passing and moving. Everybody wanted to create that highlight goal. Christopher continues. Jackson Conway seems like he has difficulty controlling his body on the pitch, running through opposing players like an American football linebacker. In the past, he's been far better coming off the bench than starting for the first team. Is this a nerves thing, or is the competition he's facing that much better than who he plays against the twos, where he's been quite successful? Well, the competition is better. He's also a very large man, and he's going against large men. And one of the ways you're taught to stop an opponent from trying to get a run on you is to put a body on him. So it's two players colliding because they're both trying to gain an advantage. That's how it is. I don't think he looked like a Muppet. Uh, in terms of controlling his body on the pitch. Uh, I mean, Arahujo probably runs into more players than anybody. Uh, he did it again last night, just lost a dribble, slammed into a San Jose defender, and then got up asking for a foul. I turned to somebody and said, that's like me running into a wall and blaming the wall. He continues, has Arthur Blank considered selling Arahujo to the Falcons and have him compete with Young Hoo Koo to be the kicker? Blank was at the game last night. Uh, he was put up on the broadcast screen It's the first time I can remember seeing him in a while. That doesn't mean he hasn't been at games. I guess it's just the first time he's been highlighted. He was sitting there with uh, Garth Lagerway, lining out his new president. Uh, No, I don't think he has considered selling him to the Falcons. And he continues, I think either you mentioned or I read somewhere that they removed the window in the press box. Now that there have been a couple of games that way, what do you like and dislike about it? Uh, It's it's cool. You get more of the crowd, especially after those two goals. It was pretty cool to hear and feel the crowd. It's a little bit loud in the press box now, so it's hard to hear Johannes on the PA when he's calling out stats and subs and things like that, but we're getting used to it, and we will get used to it. No, it's a nice change, and and, uh, it's appreciated because it was kind of a morgan there before. It was when we first got into Mercedes-Benz, we were all very, very excited, and then we realized we can't hear anything. So they piped in the crowd noise through the PA system, the the microphones in the stadium, so that we got a better feel, but it was still – not, uh, well, it was faux authentic. Now it is authentic. So that's kind of cool. Dave says, I'm at the game. Why does Atlanta United have such trouble getting the ball inside the box? So many shots on goal from outside the 18. It's so frustrating. Your thoughts are much appreciated. There's a few reasons for this. San Jose played a low block last night. Uh, Lucci said 5-4-1-4-1-4-1 to try to uh, frustrate Atlanta United. A low block in soccer, for those who don't know, is when you're defending your third of the field. A mid block is when you're defending the middle third of the field. A high block is when you're trying to keep the opponent pinned in. So once San Jose got that goal, 
they move to a low block, and you're going to see that a lot against Atlanta United. You have seen it a lot in past seasons against Atlanta United. It's tough to get through. The best way is to go – usually the best way is to go around or with free kicks uh, that can lead to shots or crosses. Atlanta United tried a lot, wasn't really successful. To get the ball into the box, you need players to make runs, and when you're in compressed space, it's hard to make those runs. Uh, it takes deft passing and, and a lot of chemistry and a lot of time together to kind of make those things happen as frequently as you probably would like for them to happen. Last night, it just didn't happen. Uh, it's not going to be successful all the time. But, you know, let's see how the season goes. Let's see how Yorgos changes things. Let's see how Etienne changes things, and we'll go from there. And we're going to wrap it up first with a coffee sip, then with a law and order question from Chance. He says, I meant to send you last last week, but didn't realize my message didn't go through. With all this buildup, with a big question mark on the possible results, my question to you is, what is your favorite law and order detective duo? That is a fantastic question. <sighs> there have been so many. I always like Vincent D'Onofrio because he's kind of the Sherlock Holmes of law and order. But in terms of feeling like an authentic cop show, like just grid and 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 toughness and things, I'm gonna have to go with the original pairing of Zunda and North. Just two guys working angles, working their butts off. Zunda was probably D'Onofrio before D'Onofrio. He always had some good insight into some things. But that's my favorite Law and Order duo. And again, if you haven't watched John Mulaney's sketches about Law and Order. Go on to the YouTubes and watch them because they will make you laugh. All right. Atlanta United opens its season with a 2-1 win against San Jose with two moments of brilliance from Diego Almada. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. You'll hear from us again next week when we preview the second game of the season. It will also be a home game against Toronto which was upset by DC United last week and may have lost one of its better players to an injury in uh, Bernardeschi. So it's a chance for Atlanta United to start the season with two wins, which would be a humongous six points. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Y'all take care. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.